Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. Always thought 
are so close to me, I don't know who you supposed to be. So contemplate that before approaching me. Got the south side right behind me, homie. And for me, that's plenty. Now the bypass the drugs and the haters and the handy play the politics right and ever so gently. You jump and snatch that bread. Get the fam fed. Get it like a man, like my uncles and pops would if they had the chance. Or maybe they did and just couldn't advance. Damn, all I can be, I am more than a man. Y'all don't understand. Gotta get the cheese like a multiple choice question. And all I see is me. Father told me long ago ain't nothing free, so I was bumping that cheese like the new kid. It's the revolution, so every moment crucial. I can never break, you will never see me do so. Resolution, I will always be on top like revolution. Got the life cause I'ma shine bright. Pump the music, baby, it's the revolution. Feel the music, baby, it's the resolution. Pump the music, baby, it's the revolution. Rain in the windshield, the wiper blades got me dazing off and out of space. Working out my next chest move. A hole in the game to break through In the meantime, I just grind and pray dues Rhyme and stay true, rather die than shot you Since I was knee high, I shine better than bruise The face and egos are much better than you My flow is clever five, so I can never lose And you know it won't stop Till a brother talking shop In an office with a view And a 30-story drop And a pretty girl or two Saying, man, we take your shoes Clever, welcome to the top Cause I need that gravy Checking the room, making sure nobody's shaded Laying in wait, lurking, waiting to play me Gotta pay the bills, gotta feed the baby If getting in it is a sin, Jesus save me Yeah, yeah You been listening to Long Road Home This DJ Food, Candy Music Quick Hit Hit me on Twitter, at DJ Food Hit clever, hit clever. Shout out to my nigga Jay.
But I'm definitely uh, Definitely, definitely, definitely You know Gonna bring everything that I can To this, you know, to this series Which is the series is I'm private now, what? So, you know, with that being said, man You know Let's get into this. Let's jump into these current events. Y'all know what it is, man. Let me turn this down a little bit. Here we go. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> I got some statistics real quick. Just real quick. In the past 25 years alone, 4. Mi- I'm sorry, 4.2 million manufacturing jobs have been lost in the U.S. due to the forces of, you know, the economy, globalism, whatever you want to call it. Currently, we're at a trade deficit of $15 trillion that has emerged in the place of that manufacturing. Um, 60,000 factories have closed in the United States in the past 25 years. And even though we're in the most, um, the longest economic recovery in history, um, American workers are still frustrated. Um, I think that's that's what I'm gonna go into. I just wanted to say those numbers real quick, man. You know, I mean, <clears throat> I think that's significant. I think it's important, and you know, it's something to think about. You know, the reason, maybe, maybe one of the biggest reasons why there is a trade um, deficit, the biggest reason why there's you know a large debt is that, you know, there is a vacuum of skilled laborers and manufacturing in the United States. What do y'all think, man? I don't know. Uh, Next up, CNN Business. The leaders of corporate America are cashing in their chips. Insiders are selling stock like it's 2007. As doubts grow about the sustainability of the longest bull market in American history, corporate insiders have sold an average of $600 million stock per day last August, according to TrimTab's investment research, which tracks stock market liquidity. $600 million a day. August was on track to be the fifth month of the year in which insiders selling top $10 billion in a month. We're talking about $10 billion in one month. The only other times that has happened was in 2006 and 2007, the period before the last bear market in stocks. This is from Trim Tabs Investment Research. Investors often view insider buying and selling transactions performed by top executives, leading shareholders, and directors as a signal of confidence, even though the stock market is much larger, larger than it was in 2007. So the $10 billion mark may not seem as much now as it did then. The acceleration of insiders heading for the exits could indicate concern about the challenges ahead, especially as the U.S.-China trade war threatens to set off a recession. Quote, it signals a lack of confidence, end quote. This is Winston Chua, an analyst at TrimTabs, went on to say, when insiders sell, it's a sign they believe valuations are high and it's a good time to be outside the market. Recession fears have ignited a burst of market volatility over the past year, punctuated by the worst December since the Great Depression. Although the S&P 500 at the time of this article remained up 14%, markets have tumbled um, in August 
as the trade war escalated. The Dow dropped 623 points. It regained about a third of those losses on Monday. And um, what's the date on this article? Man, where's the date on this article? I don't know how old this is because they're talking about August, and man, we ain't even in September any longer. Heavy insider selling is often considered an ominous single signal about a given company because execs presumably have a better idea of where the stock is going than the average investor. The thinking is that if they thought the stock was going straight up, they wouldn't leave cash on the table by selling. But Nicholas Colas, co-founder of Data Tech Research, noted insider selling is not always a helpful indicator at a high level. Rather than reflecting a lack of confidence, he said the selling may be simply be a result of insiders bracing for leaner compensation. Sure, sure. Bottom line, um, is this, you know, let me see, completed, completed buybacks by the S&P 500 companies declined 13% during the second quarter to $165.7 billion, according to the S&P Dow Jones indices. However, buybacks remain above the pace of 2017, the final year before Republican tax law that created a huge windfall for companies. So insiders are selling like before the last recession, last December was the worst quarter since the Great Depression. Who is buying these stocks that are being sold? Because the stock market isn't really, you know, losing too much. It trades sideways. Today it's down crazy. But, I mean, look, we got the plunge protection team out there. They're going to come out and make it happen. We understand this. I mean, I think this stuff is going to go on for a little bit longer. But I could be wrong, man. I'm not, hey, it is what it is. But, you know what I'm saying? Um, who's buying these stocks? You know, insiders are selling the stocks. And then we go on to this next article where they're talking about corporate buybacks and how, oh, it's okay, fine, fine, fine. Like mainstream America, regular investors, hedge funds, they're not buying these stocks that these insiders are selling. The companies themselves are buying their own stocks back, which is keeping the market going, keeping the juice in the system. It's just crazy if you think about it. Just think about it. I just, you know, just, just think about it. Uh, Forever 21. Closing stores and blank bankruptcy filing shows limits to fast fashion. This is Reuters, Reuters.com, fast fashion retailers, Forever 21, filed for bankruptcy late on Sunday, joining a growing list of brick-and-mortar companies that have seen sales hit by the rise in competition from online sellers like Amazon.com. And the changing fashion trends dictated by millennial shoppers. Check this out. They're going to blame me on rising trends of online buying and all this stuff. It's not true, man. That's not, that's not the case. That's what they're blaming it on. Oh, it's the trade wars. Oh, it's people buying online. It's, um, uh, nah, man. No. No. This, the, something's going on, and it's crazy because <clears throat> Amazon's profits cannot in any way, shape, or form correlate to the losses of all these other companies. I'm going to say it again. The profits that Amazon is making from online sales does not offset or correlate with the losses of all these other companies. Moving forward. Forever 21 Incorporated, the privately held company that helped popularize trendy, I'm sorry, trendy and cheap clothing has fallen out of favor with shoppers, in part due to other retailers like Sweden's H&M and Spain's Zara that churn out affordable Styles similar to those recently seen on designer runways. I looked at H&M and I look at Zara, and they they losing money too. So, I mean, younger, more environmentally conscious shoppers are also choosing brands that ethically sort garments instead of retailers that choose cheap fabrics to make T-shirts that are snapped up for five dollars. 
resale sites like ThreadUp.com, which calls itself the largest online thrift store, are also growing in popularity. Of course, man, people are running out of money, man. Let's just say this, man. Um, credit card uh, defaults are up to crazy numbers. Um, we're at the highest number of defaults and car loans since the you know the last recession. And all these these articles are trying to do is assuage your concerns and your fears with regards to this you know this this what's going on. This 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 is a long article. I'm not I'm not gonna you know read any more. But um, Forever Twenty One is closing all of its stores, or a lot of stores. It's closing all of its stores in Canada. Um, FoxBusiness.com Macy's is closing a landmark store. Retail giant Macy's announced that it will be selling its landmark building in downtown Seattle and closing the store as of February 2020. Its employees were informed of the decision on Friday. The company continues to struggle as consumers increasingly shop online without going into traditional brick-and-mortar department stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to believe that, you can. That's fine with me. But I'm I'm not buying it, man. I'm just showing you. After careful – let me hold on. Quote, after careful consideration, Macy's Incorporated has decided to sell downtown Seattle's Macy's building. They're selling the whole building. Blair Rosenberg, director of corporate communications for Macy's, told the Seattle Times the decision to close the store is always difficult, and we look forward to continuing to serve our customers at nearby nearby Macy's, Bellevue Square, Alderwood, South Center, and Redmond Furniture Gallery, and online at Macy's.com. Starwood Capital bought floors in the eight-story building for $65 million in 2015 and added two other floors in 2017, leaving Macy's, the two bottom floors, and the base two years ago. Amazon said it was leasing the top six floors of the building. The lease space is enough to hold about 1,500 employees. Macy's still has a presence in South Seattle Mall and malls surrounding the suburbs. Even though they leased out, um, they sold four floors, leased out, um, the top six floors, and they had what did I say? Macy's had presence. Where did I get that from? Macy's had the two bottom floors in the basement, right? So even though they had two bottom floors, they they sold two floors to Starwood Capital Group, and they leased out um, six floors in the building to Amazon, and they still couldn't keep their their storefront open. They still have to close their store and they're going to sell the entire building. Retail apocalypse in full effect. What are we going? Where are we going here? Uh, what's next? You, uh, here we go. We're talking about precious metals manipulation. I'm telling y'all gold and silver is heavily undervalued, which y'all see right now is not the real price and the real value of gold and silver. Case in point, September 16th, 2019. This is from the CFTC, Consumer Finance. Is that what it is? CFTC. What is the CFTC? I can't remember what the CFTC is, but y'all know what it is. If you don't Google it, man, there you go, you know. But um, this article says that, oh, my bad, Commodities Futures Trading Commission. That's what it is. My bad. Sorry about that, y'all. 
CFTC charges traders at major U.S. bank with manipulating the precious metals futures market. September 16, 2019, last month, the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission today filed a civil enforcement action in the United States District Court for the Northern District of Illinois against Michael Novak and, of New Jersey and Greg Smith of New York charging them with spoofing, engaging in a manipulative and deceptive scheme and attempting to manipulate prices in the precious metals futures markets while employed at a major U.S. bank. This case was brought in connection with the CFTC's Division of Enforcement Spoofing Tax Force. The CFTC complaint alleges that beginning in at least 2008 and continuing through at least 2015 while placing orders for trading precious metals futures contracts on the CME Group's incorporated exchanges, Novak and Smith repeatedly engaged in manipulative or deceptive actions practices by spoofing, bidding, or offering with the intent to cancel the bid or offer before execution. Defendants placed thousands of orders with the intention to cancel them in order to send false signals of increased buying or selling interest designed to trick market participants <clears throat> excuse me, into executing the orders the defendants wanted filed. I'm sorry, filled. The complaint also alleges that the defendants engaged in spoofing with the intent to manipulate market prices and create artificial prices and thereby enable their orders to be filled sooner at a better price or in larger quantities than otherwise would. According to the complaint, the defendants were aware other traders at the bank were also spoofing, and Smith taught other traders at the bank how to spoof. Earlier today, a criminal indictment brought by the Department of Justice against traders, including Novak and Smith, was unsealed in the United States District Court, Northern Illinois District. Uh, they're not going to say the bank. I'm assuming like this is probably like J.P. Morgan. It's probably one of these bigger banks. And, you know, within the settlement, they, you know, did an NDA as far as what bank this was. Um, <clears throat> same day, September 16th, in the CFTC action, former precious metal trader admits to engaging in spoofing at two New York banks. This is another person. U.S. Commodity, I'm sorry, U.S. Commodity <laughs> Futures Trading Commission today issued an order filing and settling charges against Christian Troons, a former precious metals trader at two financial institutions who entered into a formal cooperation agreement with CFTC's Division of Enforcement and admitted to spoofing in the futures markets. This case was brought in connection with the division's spoofing task force. So let's let you know, they, they're going after the specific people, which really, you know, these corporations are throwing these people under the bus is really what's going on. Um, but, hey, it's neither here nor there, right? Bottom line is they're admitting to spoofing, right? And right now these admittals, admittals, admittances is... <laughs> are not having any effect on the overall precious metals market. What you see going on in precious metals right now is predominantly due to economic uncertainties with regards to a recession, as well as economic uncertainties and geopolitical uncertainties with regards to the trade wars that is going on. So the precious metals markets have not corrected, not yet anyways. You still have time to get your hands on some gold and silver, email me at admin at welcome to the foundation.com. If you're looking to, you know, find reputable sources to get your hands on some gold and silver, I've been, you know, I got the hookup. Moving forward, sec.gov, automaker to pay 40 million for misleading investors. <clears throat> this is on, this is from the Securities and Exchange Commission. 
So the SEC, or, you know, I got this, you know, man, I, I, man I'm just going to be honest. I signed up for a lot of stuff from the government, man. I get IRS stuff. I get SEC stuff. I get a lot of stuff, man. They, they just send it to my email for the free, not for the fee. Um, automaker to pay $40 million for misleading investors. The Securities and Exchange Commission today charged Michigan-based automaker FCA US LLC and its parent company Fiat Chrysler Automobiles for misleading investors about the number of new vehicles sold each month to customers in the United States. FCA US and Fiat Chrysler Automobiles have agreed to pay $40 million to settle the charges. According to the SEC's order between 2012 and 2016, FCA US issued monthly press releases falsely reporting new vehicle sales and falsely touting a streak of uninterrupted monthly year-over-year sales growth when, in fact, the growth streak had been broken in September 2013. FCA, U.S. and Fiat Chrysler Automobiles included the press releases in their SEC filings. <laughs> New vehicle sales. Oh, yeah, they trivial with that. New vehicle sales and the growth streak were key performance indicators that illustrated the company's competitive position and demand for its vehicles. The SEC's order finds that FCA, U.S. and Fiat Chrysler uh, inflated new vehicle sales results by paying dealers to report fake vehicle sales and maintaining a database of actual but unreported sales, which employees often refer to as a cookie jar. In months when the growth streak would have ended or when FCA US fell short of other targets, FCA US dipped into the quote cookie jar and reported old sales as if they, they had just occurred. Yo, why are they doing all this? I'm telling you, man, if, if, if the economy is doing so well, and, and everything's fine and dandy, and there's nothing to worry about. You're supposed to buy the dip and all these weak ass stocks. Excuse my language, man. Oops. Um, why are they? Why? Why is all this fake, fake spoofing going on, man? It's interesting to me. Uh, yo, y'all need to pay attention to this. IRS finalizes safe harbor to allow rental real estate to qualify as a business for qualified business income deduction. This is issue number IR-2019-158. This is how you can find this, man. Um, the Internal Revenue Service today issued Revenue Procedure 2019-38 that has a safe harbor allowing certain interest in rental real estate, including interest in mixed-use property, to be treated as a trade or business for purposes of the Qualified Business Income Deduction under Section one, I'm sorry, 199A of the Internal Revenue Code. If all the safe harbor requirements are met and interest in rental real estate will be treated as a single trade or business for purposes of Section 199A. <clears throat> if an interest in real estate fails to satisfy all the requirements of the safe harbor, it may still be treated as a trade or business for purposes of Section 199A deduction if it otherwise meets the definition of a trade or business in Section 199A. <clears throat> Y'all need to be investing in real estate, man. I'm telling you, this is, look, the system, this, this is, look, America is set up for, in a certain way for people who do certain things with regards to business, man. This is, like, the main reason why I do this show is to try to prepare y'all to get y'all businesses together as well as your private estates. And, I'm, you know, I'm dead serious about that. It's, it's, it's definitely a passion for me. Definitely a passion for me. Moving forward, man, let's get into these current events, man. I'm trying to get up, get up out of these current events. What we got here? We got here U.S. widens trade war with tariffs on Airbus, planes, French cheese, and scotch whiskey. This is on Reuters. United States today said it would enact 10% tariffs on European-made Airbus, 
Plains and 25% duties on French wine, scotch, and Irish whiskeys and cheese from across the continent as punishment for illegal EU aircraft subsidies. The announcement came after the World Trade Organization gave Washington a green light to impose tariffs of $7.5 billion worth of EU goods annually in the long-running case, a move that could ignite a tit-for-tat transatlantic trade war. U.S. Trade Representative's target list for EU tariffs set to take effect on October 18th includes large Airbus planes made in France, Britain, Germany, and Spain for 10% tariffs. But no tariffs will be imposed on EU-made aircraft parts using Airbus's Alabama assembly operation nor those used by rival U.S. plane maker Boeing Company, safeguarding U.S. manufacturing jobs. Instead, the list heavily targets the four Airbus consortium countries with tariffs, including French wine, Spanish olives, British whiskey, sweaters and woolens, and German tools and coffee. Cheese from nearly every European Union country will be hit with the 25% tariffs, but Italian wine and olive oil were spared along with European chocolate, because these elites, they love their olive oil and they love their chocolate. Let's just be honest. Finally, after 15 years of litigation, the World Trade Organization has confirmed that the United States is entitled to impose countermeasures in response to the European Union's illegal subsidies. This is U.S. Trade Representative Robert, Robert Lighthizer and what he said into a, in a statement. We want to say we expect to enter into negotiations with the European Union aimed at resolving this issue in a way that will benefit American Workers. They're throwing tariffs on Europe. Europe, yo, trade war. You think it's just China? <laughs> nope. Wall Street tumbles as trade war threatens U.S. economy. This is Reuters. Wall Street's main indexes suffered their sharpest one-day declines in nearly six weeks today after employment and manufacturing data suggested that the U.S.-China trade war is taking an increasing toll on the United States economy. Adding to trade concerns, the United States won approval today to levy import tra- tariffs of $7.5 billion worth of European goods over illegal U.S. subsidies handed to Airbus, threatening to trigger a tit-for-tat transatlantic, transatlantic trade war. All 11 S&P sector in- indexes fell with energy and financials each down more than 2%. The ADP National Employment Report showed private payrolls growth in August was not as strong as previously estimated and said, quote, Businesses have turned more cautious in their hiring, end quote, with small end enterprises becoming, quote, especially hesitant, end quote. That added to fear sparked on Tuesday when a report showed U.S. factory activity contracted to its lowest level in more than a decade. Would that be more than a decade referring to the recession? Quote, the fact that the manufacturing side of the economy in the U.S. and globally is doing badly shouldn't come as a newsflash to anybody. But the extent of the miss yesterday is something that's driven this two-day move. End quote. This is Greg Bootley, head of U.S. Equity and Derivative Strategy at BNP Perilous. The recent week data has shaken investor faith in the strength of the domestic economy, which had shown relative resilience in the face of slowing global growth. Confidence in the U.S. economy has helped support Wall Street this year. Quote, if China buys less from us, we have less to manufacture, fewer orders to fill. This data is indicating we are not immune to this trade dispute, that it's hurting us as well as China. This is Sam Stovall, Chief Investment Strategist at CFRA Research. 
focus is now on the U.S. Labor Department's more comprehensive jobs report that will come out on Friday for further clues on the health of the U.S. economy. I'm going to move on from right there. They admitted that hiring is slowing down. Um, the job market isn't as robust as they've been at it, but as they have been saying. CNBC: The Dow dropped more than 800 points in two days. Here's what's going on. The drop in the Dow comes after reports showing slowing. In September, for both manufacturing and hiring, the two economic warning signs come as President Donald Trump faces a push for impeachment by Democrats. The S&P 500 fell below its 50-day moving average, a key technical indicator watched by analysts. Hmm. The drop in the Dow began after a key measure of U.S. manufacturing saw its lowest reading in more than 10 years on Tuesday. September's reading of manufacturing data from the Institute of Supply Management, or ISM, came in at 47.85%, the second consecutive month of contract for the index. Any reading of the ISM index below 50% signals a contraction. Um, Typically, the Fed will not announce a recession until we're six months into it. But... I don't know. I guess it depends on how you feel like feel about that. <clears throat> Next up, we got Reuters. Slowing U.S. private hiring adds to gloom over the economy. We t- talked about this a little bit. It came on the heels of the survey. Tuesday, manufacturing activity tumbled more to more than a 10-year low. The economy's darkening outlook was also underscored by another report on Wednesday showing a measure of current business conditions in New York City drops to a 40-month low in September. The longest economic expansion on record now in its 11th year is losing ground with the blame largely put on a 15-month-long trade war between the United States and China, which has eroded business confidence. Slowing job growth is a concern as it could curb consumer spending, which has been the economy's main growth engine. Consumer spending is the economy's main growth engine. They're publicly saying this stuff right now. Asia stocks decline amid renewed slowdown fears. Stocks in Asia slipped as well, renewed, I'm sorry, today amid renewed fears of global economic slowdown. The Institute for Supply Management said U.S. manufacturing activity contracted to the worst level since 2009. Markets in China and India, luckily though, were closed today for holidays. Ooh, not so good. Gold bounces off two-month lows on weaker U.S. data. You see the correlation here, y'all? This is CNBC. Gold rose yesterday, reversing course from earlier in the session when it touched a near two-month low as the dollar hard gains after weak U.S. manufacturing data bolstered bets for another interest rate cut by the United States Federal Reserve. U.S. manufacturing sector contracted, blah, blah, blah. It shows there might be significant corrections in the economy, and traders are going to back into safety right now. This weaker data might support another Fed rate cut, and as a result, metals might get a bonus move higher. This is Philip Striebel, senior commodity strategist at RJL Futures. U.S. equities turned red in the dollar hard gains to retreat from a multi-year peak following the data. U.S. Treasury yields, meanwhile, fell to session lows. Lower interest rate 
reduce the opportunity cost of holding non-yielding bullion and also weigh on U.S. yields and the dollar in which gold is priced. However, bullion has lost nearly $100 since scaling a peak of $1,557 early September, largely due to the dollar's strength. Today, gold is, is at 15 bucks. I'm sorry, 15000 So blah, blah. Investors have been largely pricing in no further rate cuts going into a Fed meeting later in the month on stronger economic data and reduced fears of a global recession. The Fed last cut interest rates in September for the second time this year. While gold had been testing the support below 1500 due to repricing the Fed rate cut expectations, we think that risk remains skewed to the upside between now and year end. Fundamentals remain tight and we remain bullish long term, but there should be some opportunities to enter at better levels amid downside risk, economic data, and lingering trade uncertainty. Booyaka Sato. Kroger to lay off hundreds as questions about its turnaround plan linger. CNBC, Kroger. Kroger is laying off hundreds of employees across the family of grocery stores it owns. A person familiar with the situation tells CNBC. The unionized grocer, which also owns Harris Teeter, Ralph's, Fred Meyer, and has 443,000 full-time and part-time employees. A spokeswoman for Kroger told CNBC in a statement that as part of ongoing talent management, many store operating divisions are evaluating middle management roles and team structures with an eye toward keeping resources close to the customer. So, woo, that's why she's the spokeswoman. Yo, man, I could, yo, she's cold. Look, I'm going to read that again. As part of an ongoing talent management, that's a nice tool. I love that, talent management. Many store operating divisions are evaluating middle management roles and team structures with an eye toward keeping resources close to the customers. <laughs> Ooh, that was good. She added that the company store divisions, which operate independently, are all, quote, taking steps to ensure they have the right talent in the right store leadership positions. Kroger is not the first grocer to reconsider middle management as it looks to restructure its business. Walmart's club stores, Sam's Club, in 2014 laid off 2,300 employees, including middle managers, as part of a turnaround. Last year, the retailer closed 63 stores and converted some of them to e-commerce facilities. Shares of Kroger are down nearly 9% year-to-date as it faces heightened competition from discount grocers Aldi and Little, yeah, as well as Walmart and Albertsons. Kroger's turnaround plan to invest in e-commerce and take on those challenges is in doubt. In September, CEO Rodney McMullen told analysts Kroger would not be reconfirming its expectation that it would add $400 million in incremental operating profit as part of its three-year restructuring plan. Oops. Yeah, we, we're not going to reconfirm that. <laughs> the grocer's e-commerce investments include its acquisition of meal kit company Home Chef, stake in British online supermarket Okado, and partnership with driverless car company Nero. Bottom line, Kroger, Kroger about to lay off hundreds of people. And I don't usually get into this because this is still, this is political, but I think this is a big ass deal. Excuse my language. Reuters: Dallas policewoman gets ten years for murder. I forgive you, the victim brother says. Of course he does. Former Dallas police officer Amber Geiger was sentenced to 10 years in prison today by a Texas jury that found her guilty of murder for walking into a neighbor's apartment thinking it was her own and shooting him as he ate ice cream. 
first of all, this is crazy. Number one, it's in Texas. It's a, you talk about a blonde-haired European woman, and she was the police at the time, and she shot an unarmed brother. He was eating his ice cream. Really big factor is she tried to say she thought it was her apartment. Um, whatever. Main thing is that she was a cop. They fired her, though. That's how I kind of knew she was going down. But, yo, this is unprecedented, I think. This is something really – this is unprecedented. This is what's up, man. I'm, I'm happy for that fan. The jury came back to its verdict in less than six hours, convicting Geiger, who was white. You like you love how they put that in here, man? Yo, yo, this is Reuters, man. I'm going to read that again, man. They don't play. The jury came to its verdict in less than six hours on Tuesday, convicting Geiger, who was white, in the 2018 killing of both and Jean, a 26-year-old, quote, so-called black PWC accountant. His death sparked street protests last year, particularly when prosecutors initially opted to bring a lesser charge of manslaughter against Geiger. The sentence was less than 28 years. Prosecutors had sought. Judge Tammy Kemp said the jury had imposed no fine. Uh, this is a historic case, and history provides us with a teachable moment, said civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump who also represented the family of Trayvon Martin, the Florida teenager who shot and killed in 2012 by a civilian neighborhood watchman who was later cleared in court. This, this case was unlike other recent high-profile killings, such as those of Michael Brown in Missouri and Philando Castile in Minnesota, since Geiger was not on duty or responding to a reported crime when she fired. And I guess that's significant as well. After the sentence was handed down, Gene's younger brother, Brant offered Geiger his forgiveness. I forgive you, and I know if you go to God and ask him to forgive you, he will too. I'm speaking for myself, not my family, but I love you just like anyone else. Um, Brant, Gene, then asked the judge's permission to hug Geiger. The judge gave the permission. He and Geiger ran to one another and embraced in the middle of the courtroom. They hugged, cried, and spoke softly to one another for about a minute. Bottom line, in cross-examination, Assistant District Attorney Jason Hermes asked her, quote, when you shot him twice, you intended to kill him, didn't you? End quote. She replied, quote, I did, end quote, in a calm voice. She was crazy. Yeah, it's going down out here. Um, I'm sure it's going to continue to go down out here. Shout out to, you know, anybody who's been or knows anyone who's been a victim of police brutality. Um, you know, this stuff has been going on for a long time. It's just now starting to hit the forefront of the news. And, you know, the good, you know, white people, European people, I don't think everybody, just because of their color, is bad. You know what I'm saying? I've seen bad people that ain't white, man. I'm not trying to hear it. But whatever. You know, when you get the other Europeans who ain't having it, they stand up and stuff really goes down. And you can look at the civil rights movement and see pictures where Europeans or Americans of European descent, more specifically, were marching with, you know, with us. So, you know, it goes to show you can't do sweeping generalizations of people. And this stuff popped off in Texas. So I think that's huge. But, you know, there it is. And that's it for current events, y'all. I appreciate y'all sticking by. We haven't... um, Technical difficulties, but um, I see the switchboard is up, and I see we got callers, so if you listen on the internet, um, 
You can try calling in. I think we're back online and popping. But, you know, other than that, I'm going to get into the show. Um, this is the Unprivate Now What series. This is part two. We're going to be talking about private banking. Now, essentially, before I get into private banking, I want to I want to say that I'm not a lawyer. I'm not an attorney. I don't give legal advice. If you're looking for legal advice or tax advice or something, you gotta you gotta find one who gives such advice. I don't give legal advice. I don't give tax advice. I speak from my experience and from my studies. Hands down. So, you know, don't get it twisted, yo. And I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you what I know. And I'm telling you what I do. You make your own choices. I know a lot of y'all respect me. And you feel like, well, if Soap does it, I want to do what Soap does. That's not necessarily true, especially when you're talking about a private estate. Because every family is different. And individuals in every family is different. So with that being said, um... I'm private. Now what? Part two. Private banking. What is private banking? Ultimately, private banking is the, how do I say this? Luxuriously. Private banking is the function of a family um, that has an estate established and a certain amount of wealth established to where they don't receive or apply for loans outside of their estate. So if a family member needs to buy a house, if a family member wants to buy a car and they don't have all the money, they do not go to a credit union or a brick-and-mortar bank and, you know, um, initiate a loan. When it comes to private banking, what happens is essentially the individual of the family approaches the trustees of the family trust or family asset trust or however the structure is and proposes a loan or asked for a loan from the board. And if it's a if it's a established well-run estate. In this in this instance, what's going to happen is they're going to run that family member through underwriting similar to where a public institution like a credit union or a bank would do their due diligence to see what's your income, what um, you know, what's your debt to income ratio, how much money are you making, um, you know, how many how many other responsibilities do you have, um, you know, what line of work are you in? It's going to be very similar due diligence with regards to issuing or you know funding a loan that you would see in pub in the public, but it's it's going to be a lot less stringent. It's going to be more lenient. After all, this is a family member who's coming to ask for a loan, and this is family. Now, when when the loan is issued from the family estate to the family member, it is a loan. The family member signs a contract. The family member must pay back the loan 
with interest. Now, the interest is going to be lower than any other credit union or bank. Why? Because this is a family. That's why and because we can. But please understand, and I want you to listen very carefully to me. You pay these banks and these credit unions interest, these credit cards interest, your whole life. You get your estate set up properly. If you don't implement interest on the loans from the estate, then you are not only ridiculously um, uninformed and ignorant, but you're not properly administering the estate. Anybody in your estate who's not willing to pay interest on the loan that is given from the estate and expects some sort of special treatment, non-interest loan, is attempting to take advantage of the family wealth. Does not respect the family wealth and will pay interest to non-family entities, but when it comes to family, isn't interested in paying interest. Y'all need to pay attention to that. And you need to pay attention to that mind state in your own mind, in your own head. There's no free lunches just because you're part of an estate. And any wealthy family or any trustees in the office of the family estate understands this. So yes, when the family gives out loans to a family member, is there interest? Yes, it's interest. Absolutely. Now, I know a lot of y'all are thinking, yo, but what if my my estate doesn't have any money to offer loans? How do I fund the estate so that we can do private family banking? One of the easiest and most responsible ways to fund your private um, family bank is through life insurance policies. Now, I'm not going to get into any serious discussion with regards to private family banking using life insurance policies in this episode. Um, I could definitely, you know, look to get into it in another episode. You know, if y'all are interested, if you are, email me, admin at welcometothefoundation.com. Let me know you're interested in, you know, an episode on private family banking using life insurance specifically. And, you know, I'll definitely do a show on it. Um, or you can text me if y'all got my number. You know, trustees, y'all got my number. Text me. Let me know what's good. Um, but in the meantime, you know, I just want to get put that in your mind. That a life insurance policy is one of the most economical and immediately actionable ways to begin to fund your private estate. Um, trustees and trustee training. Um if you need more information, hit me up. Let's talk about it. I'll, I'll drop the knowledge on you. Um, any listeners of the foundation, followers of the foundation, if you want some more information on what I'm talking about with regards to the, you know, the life insurance funding of your estate, email me, admin at welcometothefoundation.com, set up a consultation, or go to welcometothefoundation.com and set up a consultation, and I'll break it down for you. Um, it, it's not anything that's going to pop off quickly when you're building an estate when you're building wealth it is a time game it's a waiting game it's a patience game it's a consistency and dedication game Um, make proper investments sit on those proper investments and then when the time comes you 
cash those investments out and go into other investments and continue to grow the wealth. So private family banking, private banking, basically, you want a car, you want a house, you go to the estate, um, take out a loan. The interest on that loan is going to be income to the estate. So, you know, that's very important to establish that from the jump, any loan that you receive from your private estate or trustees, any loan that you fund from the private estate must be um, on an interest schedule. Now, if the the family member defaults on the loan, can't make the payments, it's going to be a lot more simple of a situation to modify the loan. You know, maybe there's not going to be any type of late penalties. It's up to you within your estate on how you want to structure your private um, bank. But, you know, I know, you know, I tell y'all when it comes to proper expensing of the estate, you know, a lot of times we're going to get our hands on, you know, different types of assets. One of the main savings assets that we partake in is gold and silver you know it's not necessary for the estate to have technically cash to fund the loan there's things that can be done with other assets that can be converted to cash to fund the loan but you know you got to think you got to start thinking like a banker you know and ultimately and I'm going to drop this jewel real quick bankers you know I I'm not funding a loan Unless I can collateralize 150% of the loan That is being funded Which means if you come to me For a $70,000 loan um, I want to be able to collateralize $95,000 worth of property Which means I want to be able to You know get some sort of uh, Mortgage Or sort of of lien And contract To um, have interest In $95,000 $95,000 worth of property or assets or whatever. And if I can do that, I will definitely fund the $70,000 loan. But that's just how I operate, you know, the the banking, the private banking arm of my estate. And that right there, the 150000 I'm sorry, the 150% collateral, I'm talking about, you know, hard money loans. I ain't talking about in the family. See, when you're private banking, it's, we're not talking about just loans in the family. Now you, you can become a hard money lender. And I know my people in the real estate and my people who do like big jobs, I'm sorry, like big uh, deals and execute big deals and you know, maybe parlay contracts, sign contracts, float money or something. You know what I'm talking about. There's hard money lenders out here. And you can get your hands on $70,000 where a bank wouldn't give it to you. You know, maybe you don't have the right cash flow. You don't have the right debt-to-income ratio or something. So you're not going to qualify for a bank. But a private money lender, you might qualify for a private money lender, but they're going to want collateral. And especially, like, uh, you know, dealing with uh, flippers, you know, those who flip houses. You know, they may need, uh, you know, money to rehab the house, and they're going to flip the house within six months. And they only need, you know, $100,000 for about six months. And then when they sell the house, they turn around and pay off, you know, the private loan. That's, that's, that's fine. You know, especially if I'm dealing with someone who, 
has been doing, you know, houses for a while. They got a track record. They can show me, you know, the houses they flipped, um, the ones that they uh, rehabbed, um, what their timeline is, how long does it take them, you know, what type of spread did, are they able to make because I don't want to get into a situation where, you know, uh, the client doesn't feel like they're making enough money because if they feel like they're not making enough money, then they may not pay. And, you know, as a private banker, I'm not interested in necessarily foreclosing on property and going through, you know, um, administrative proceedings proceedings for, you know, um, uh, possession uh, or garnishment of wages. I'm not, I'm not really into all that. I'm not really into it. I'd rather just, we'd rather just get the money back with the interest. But, you know, if you're looking to be a private banker, you know, you're looking to give out hard money loans outside of the family. It's typically going to be interest rates of 9% and above, around 7% and above, depending on, you know, what the deal looks like, how long they're going to be tying up the funds and what have you, because you got to take into consideration the opportunity costs, which means, you know, you could have loaned that money to someone else at a higher interest rate. So, you know, you got to take all this stuff into consideration as a businessman, as a banker, you know, when you're private family banking. But, yeah, I mean, private family banking is, is, is not I – mean, people think about Federal Reserve notes. Now, nah, fam, you can, you can exchange a vehicle into the trust. You know what I mean? And then, you know, you can go get a title loan. I don't recommend this, but you can go get a title loan against the vehicle. As long as the numbers work out, you can take that cash from the title loan, loan give a, a private hard money loan, and if you do it right, and you know you you worried about the the spread on the interest rate, you can you know probably you know make money off of that transaction, or you can you can straight up sell the car, you know, and get the cash. Now the trust has the cash. Now the trust can you know fund the loan. There's a lot of ways to start you know your private family bank. And it's not about how much, it's about how consistent. Um, I just want to get you into the mind state of, you know, thinking, you know, I need to establish my private estate. My private, a part of my private estate is the private bank. And in doing so, you will reduce your family's dependency on public financial institutions. And you will capture the interest within your family estate that would otherwise be lost to a credit union or to a bank. It's very important to understand these fundamentals. Now, is your private bank going to get popping and in like six months you're going to be able to give $30,000 loans? Probably not. It's probably not. It's going to take some time. Um, but Rome wasn't built in the day. Neither was, the, you know, the empire. The M Empire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And your private bank isn't going to be built in a day. It's not going to happen. It's not going to be built in a month. This is a long term um, execution. This is a long term goal. This is something that's going to take time to build up. So, this is something that you're going to do and think about and prioritize on top of your priority of bringing income into the estate. On top of your priority of properly administering the estate, on top of your priority of substantiating all the moves of the trust, maintaining the proper minutes, maintaining the proper uh, contracts, maintaining the proper arm's length distance. 
on top of that, you got to be thinking about creating and growing the private bank. True story. When I started, um, you know, uh, setting funds aside for my family's private bank, you know, there were months where I was only able to allocate You know I mean there was a lot of months Where I was only able to allocate $20 to the estate And that's why I say like dollar cost average Every single month You should be buying gold and silver Even if it's $20 of silver That's all you can do All you can do is buy one ounce of silver a month Every single month You should be your, Your estate you, on behalf of your estate or on behalf of one of your private entities that you administer in a fiduciary capacity as trustee, should be acquiring precious metals regularly. There are some months where I was only able to do 20 bucks. Now, I'm not saying I took a $20 bill and threw it in a safe or threw it in a shoebox. That's not how I did it. I took a $20 bill and exchanged it for silver or whatever amount of gold I can get at the time. That's what I did. That's how I established the, the private bank. Um, now it's to the point where I can't even keep that stuff in the house. Like, I got to keep it, you know, outside the house because it, as being consistent paid off. And no matter what you're doing, whether you're going to school or you're walking to work or um, digging a hole, eventually you're going to get to the finish. And we got to move ourselves away from this immediate gratification addiction that we have and start thinking long-term and for the future and for future generations. But establishing your private family bank is imperative. Imperative. I knew a... um, Before I bought my first property, I lived in an apartment building, and there was this dude um, who owned the property. And this dude was like my age, man, Um, like late 20s or whatever, mid-20s or whatever. He was my age, and he bought this, like, fourplex, man. He bought a fourplex straight up, and he was a trust bank, you know, and he told me, you know – I don't know what he, you know, I don't know if I had some gold or, you know, whatever, if we were talking about it or whatever, but he, he opened up to me and told me, he was a Jew, he opened up to me and told me, it's cool, it's fine, I'm just saying, like, they keep, they keep they family together, they don't play, man, we can take a lot of, you know, notes from how Jews help each other out and stick together and stuff, but he told me, he was like, my dad would just buy gold, my dad had a lot of gold, he left me a lot of gold, and he left him a lot of money in trust. My man just bought a bill. He bought a fourplex, lived in one, slummed out. I mean, dude was grungy. Um, Didn't have a job. I mean, he did what he wanted to. And his dad set him up to where he didn't have to be anyone else's slave. And that's that's your responsibility as a parent. Look, we got 30 seconds left in the live broadcast. If um, you want to continue with the show, we will stream. You got to call in 424-222-5250. It looks like the switchboard is good. So, you know, go ahead and call in, y'all. But, um, yeah, man, um, his dad left him a bunch of gold and a bunch of money in trust, and the dude had a trustee, 
And I ended up being friends with the trustee. My man was from Jamaica. He was really cool. He had a lot of knowledge and stuff like that. But, like, they weren't trying to teach me nothing about the trust stuff. You know what I'm saying? But that stuff was coming up ever since that dude in the south of France told me about it. You know what I'm saying? Um, Ever since that dude in the south of France told me about it. You know what I mean? Um. I was really, really interested in trust, and then I kept coming into contact with people who were familiar with trust. So, I mean, I, and it was very interesting to me. Man, the law of attraction is real. Um, mentalism is real. But, yeah, I mean, he was like, yeah, my dad just bought gold and stuff, and I had just – I've been, I've always been into gold and buying gold and stuff. I just never knew why, and I feel like it was my ancestors or something, probably my grandmother probably, you know what I'm saying, because she's the matri- she was the matriarch of our family, and – um. I had this like in, in instinctual just compulsion to grab, you know, gold and silver and stuff. I used to put ads on Craigslist, be like, you know, I'll give you more money than the pawn shop and like buy people's old gold rings and chains and broken silver trinkets. I didn't care, man. I had so much and then I ended up like giving it to this this dealer for the melt value of the silver. And then he exchanging it into bars and rounds, like coins and stuff. It's all money to me. You know what I mean? Um, and, of course, our people, we always have been intrinsically, you know, been inclined to go. You know, like my, my dad got to go to, my grandmother had to go to, um, you know, gold rings, gold chains. You know, Mr. T is an iconic figure, figure from our culture. He had, you know, all the gold on him. You know, we know what you know, we 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 haven't forgotten in uh, in our subconscious, in our DNA, our connection to gold. We haven't forgotten that stuff. I haven't forgotten it. Um, we just need to reconnect the the dots with regards to how important it is, and as well as how vital it is for your private estate and for you know. Um, for stability, financial stability. So, you know, I mean, private banking, you know, this is one of them things where, you know, this isn't going to be something that you're going to do overnight. I'm telling you, this is going to be something that you're going to have to do consistently. You're going to be dedicated to, to build up that private bank. Now, some of you might fall into some bread, you know, come into an inheritance, you know, get a windfall or something and be able to start your private bank, you know, sooner. But most of us aren't going to be able to do that. I advise you to respect your money because it, when you, if you pull, pull a dollar or a $10 bill out your pocket, and if you ain't got no cash, pull out one of them debit cards and mentally think of how much money is in that account. You need to look at this currency as pieces of your life. Moments, minutes, seconds, hours of your life that you will never get back, that you exchange minutes, seconds, hours of your life that you will never get back for these dollars, for these notes, for these credits, for whatever. And you need to respect yourself, respect your energy, and respect your life, and be a steward of your wealth. Be a steward of your life. 
Because when you're holding money in your hand, you're holding in a direct representation of your labor, of your life, of your time on this earth. And to me, that's very significant. And to me, there's no way around that. You disrespect your money, you're disrespecting yourself, you're disrespecting your life. That's why in the underground, you disrespect someone's money. It could be $20, man. It could mean your life. Because people at that level understand what they do and the sacrifices they make and the potential um, uh, trouble that they could get in. You know, if they get popped off by, you know, police or law enforcement or something like that. This is not a game. You shouldn't play with your money and you shouldn't let anyone play with your money. Now, we understand that the love of money is the root of all evil. I do not love money. I love my family. So I acquire wealth so I can show love to my family, provide for my family and secure my family's future. And I feel like I have things in perspective. I still have a lot of work to do. Mentally, psychologically, emotionally, on myself. But I feel like when it comes to the logistics of family being business, private banking, and understanding what exactly these notes represent, I feel like I have a pretty good, you know, understanding and overstanding and, you know, concept. And I'm attempting to pass that concept on to you. You sit in a chair. For hours a day you're, you're doing manual labor for hours a day You're uh, unclogging drains you're, you're serving people Who look down upon you For these Federal Reserve notes And we don't respect them You know what I'm saying There's only one city in this United States That I've been to Where I haven't found pennies, nickels, and dimes On the ground in the street And that was San Francisco because it's a penny, because it's such a small increment, we don't respect it, we throw it on the ground, whatever. Those things add up, just like those minutes and hours added up to your two-week paycheck that was enough for you to take care of your family and all your bills. So we need to be stewards of our families. We need to be stewards of our states. And as important, we need to be stewards of our wealth. And establishing, growing, administering, and protecting your private bank within your private estate should be one of the most important tasks you undertake as a trustee. absolutely most important it directly correlates to not only your quality of life but the quality of life the quality of life of your future generations this is how you live forever you instill your beliefs your traits your positive characteristics and knowledge into your children and ensure that they have a solid foundation to stand and sit upon and your ideas your loves your passions if you do it right will live forever
This is very important. I don't play around with family. Family is the most sacred thing on this planet. When I talk about private banking, private investments, private trusts, private estate, it's all for family. And if you don't have that in your mind, this isn't for you. And you can you can be um, stubborn and continue to pursue what isn't for you, but the universe will continue to show you that this isn't for you. Maybe cool, or maybe interesting, and maybe um, make you make you feel smart when you're sitting around the water cooler in the break room with your six shares of Amazon and a bunch of information on trust that you don't utilize or implement. You just parrot and talk about it so you look smart in front of your colleagues. It's not for you. For those of you who understand what I'm saying, that family is paramount, and that's what it's all about. This is for you, and this is why I do this. So with that being said, I appreciate y'all checking me out for the show. I I mean, I'm going to try to go to the phone line. I don't know if they figured out what was going on with Blog Talk. I'm just going to assume this isn't going to work, but I'm going to, you know, think positively. But I'll take a couple calls and I'm up out of here. Sorry about the technical difficulties today. Uh, but I definitely appreciate y'all. Before I get to the calls, man, y'all email me admin at welcome to the foundation.com. I know I made announcements for a steady period of time saying that the window for trustee training was closing. After speaking to you know my mentors, specifically Yusuf L, I've decided that it's not the case. I apologize for misrepresenting myself. It wasn't intentional. But the donation did increase. But you know, I'm always willing to work with my people. Email me, admin at welcometothefoundation.com. You want to start a business, you're looking at business credit, you want to establish that, you want to get unsecured capital, like email me, admin at welcometothefoundation.com. And I will, you know, I got your back. Okay, so um, phone line, 929-4056. Peace, what's your name, where you calling from? Peace from the Sultan. This is to say that. Peace communities, my brother, you gave a good bit of advice tonight. You gave good jewels with the family, banking, private. That was excellent teaching and the precious matter. Kings and queens, listen to this over and over. Make sure you book your consultations. My brother, they are really working on this, this public airway. I don't know how long you're going to be in effect. But I know people are getting a little upset now. It's too many things going on with this system. So, kings and queens, it's time to pull yourselves in now. Because just now it's going to come to now. My brother, in the private, I pray all is well with you and the family. Just, just keep doing what you do until they shut down the airway. Because I see it coming. Peace, my brother. Hey, sister. I appreciate you. Thank you. Oh. Yeah, Stephanie, thanks for calling in. Um, 404-9219. 404-9219. Peace, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Sister, I can't, I can't mute you. 
So, uh, Yvette, just mute your phone, please, sister. Four, four. Oh, wow. All right, yeah, yeah. Blog talk, yeah, it is, it is what it is, y'all. So, um, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. Oh, what? Wow, I don't even know what to tell you. I can't even. Yeah. So I mean, I gotta end the show. I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, hopefully, this is better next week. I trust it will be. Get the kinks out. Um. Guard the sister though, man. You know, stuff's getting weird. It really is. Y'all pay attention, man. Keep, you know, like the Wu Tang used to say, protect your neck. <laughs> it's, it's real out here, though, man. You know, this is, you know, this is the illest game known to man right now. And um, we we soldiers in the war of the worlds. And the war is for your mind. And uh, three fifths of a man was uh, mind, body, and soul. Um, but the two that was missing was. Nationality and religion Think about that With that being said I appreciate y'all I really do Email me Admin at Welcome to the foundation Dot com Let's get Let's get you trusty Trained up Let's get your business Open Let's get your You know Investment straight Let's get your money right um, Let's do it I, I mean I'm down I got your back I'm with it So you know With that being said I appreciate y'all um, Working with me with regards to, you know, these issues that we was having. I also want to say thanks to, you know, all the people that helped me in the background, you know, for privacy concerns. I'm not going to say your name, but I'm definitely going to say I appreciate the people that helped me in the background. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I get assistance with. I do have a lot on my plate, but, you know, um, hold on. No, nah, it's not working. 8092, 718, 8092. It's not, it's not going to let me bring you in. I was trying to bring the 404 in. Yeah. So? 8090, 8090. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, what's up? How you doing? Oh, okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Peace. Damn, I ain't having it, man. They ain't shutting down no airways, man. I ain't having it. <laughs> I ain't having it. I like that. I like that either. They said Tan Clan ain't nothing to F with. You know? Nah. <laughs> but, but, um, you know, everything is cool. Yeah, bro, I'm going to let you take the next call if you can. So, um, we're going to talk, all right? All right, man. Appreciate it. All right, yeah, so I'm up out of here. Appreciate y'all. Um... Man, callers are dropping off. Yeah, appreciate y'all, man. I'm, I'm kind of distracted, man. This, this thing is tripping me out. So I'm just going to, we're going to, we done. I'm done for the night. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all, man. Y'all have a great week. Enjoy yourself. So um, 10, 10 things that you're thankful for. Make sure you get that in there. And, um, you know, just don't worry about the boo-hoo. Chugga, chugga, choo-choo. We got this. You got this. And I got you. So with that being said, I appreciate y'all. Y'all have a great week. Enjoy yourself. Love y'all. Be safe. And um, I will catch you next time here on the Foundation on High Frequency Radio Network. Peace to the God. Doing this thing all the way live. High Frequency Radio.